Buy low, sell high. Very easy to say, but not always so easy to do. For example, high interest rates are hurting the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices in a lot of markets are falling, even for many of the best assets. So it's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com pockets, fundrise.com pockets. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. You ever feel like your vacation rental since empty too often? Missing out on potential income? Look, you're not alone. Many property owners struggle with underperforming bookings and the complexities of property management. But here's some good news. Vacasa outperforms other property managers in 92% of the markets they operate. They've helped homeowners like you increase their bookings by an average of 24%, turning those empty days into profitable opportunities. Want to see what your earnings could look like with Vacasa? Visit biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, and get a free personalized income estimate today. That's biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. Hey, everyone. Welcome to On The Market. I'm your host, Dave Meyer, joined today by Kathy, James, and Henry. Henry, you probably have the most exciting story. So tell everyone where you are right now. Yeah, I'm in Maui. I'm here for work, though. It's not It's not a fun trip. I'm going to work extremely hard while I'm here. Uh, I'm not sure mm-hmm. I believe you. Mm-hmm. Not, it's not a fun mm-hmm. trip. I'll work one day <laughs> during the trip. Out of how many, though? Well, I mean... I mean, out of 10, but still, like, <laughs> it's going to be work. Yeah, still write off, right? If you uh, work one out of 10 days. <laughs> the IRS has entered the chat. No, yeah. I am only writing off what is absolutely necessary, Dave of Meyer. Course. I will not of be in excess with my write offs, tax guy listening. Well, I was going to say have fun, but I guess don't have any fun and work very hard <laughs> on your trip to Maui. James, you're clearly not on a boat. Where are you? Uh, I'm out in Hilton Head, South Carolina, checking out houses. It's completely awesome. I'm a little bit blown away by how nice it is. Are you moving? I don't know yet. I'm, I'm con- <laughs> I, well, you know what, Dave? I'm I'm constantly on the move, so I, I don't know. I can't. I can't. 
I can't ever settle. <laughs> I have seen you and or heard of you looking to buy a house in like three parts of the country in the last six months. I, w- I literally was there when you were looking at houses in Phoenix <laughs> and now you're in South Carolina. Before it was, where was it? Wilmington. I mean, everybody needs James Dander problems. This is my, I'm serious. This is my theme for the entire show. <laughs> I get itchy fingers. Henry, how, how nice do you think the houses are each place? He <laughs> oh, I saw the, I saw one of the ones in Phoenix and it was, I don't, a house is a gross understatement that was more like a compound <laughs> slash castle i didn't want to go inside because i felt like if i walk in the door i just had to pay a thousand dollars i don't know to what i just felt like i needed to put it somewhere in the house it was just a cover at james's house to enter <laughs> well i highly recommend people check hilton that out it's a, a beautiful beautiful place kathy you seem at home but your house is so nice you don't have to leave I'm home. I'm so happy to be home. I love it. All right. Well, I'm glad to hear it. All right. Well, we have a great show for everyone today. We're going to be talking about deals that all three of you are actually doing in today's market. Everyone knows that this has been a challenging and confusing year, but deals are out there for sure. And Henry, Kathy, and James are going to share with you some of the deals that they are working on right now. Before we get into that, we are going to test your knowledge with a game that uncovers how much you know about home buyers right now. And I think this is a really good data set for us to look at because I always, I, at least I don't know if you guys encounter these people, but everyone's like, who can afford to buy a house right now in this market? Or who's actually still participating in this market? And today we are going to see how well you actually know the answer to that. All right. What is the average age of a home seller? Henry, let's start with you. Oh, average age of a home seller. I'm going to go 37. Okay. James? You know, I sell a lot of houses, so I'm going to go my age, 40. Maybe I'm, I'm hoping I can kind of bring in the, the median into there. So 40 is what I'm going with. All right, Kathy. I'll say 42 because they've got more kids and they need more space. Well, despite this being a trick question, because there are actually no home sellers this year, uh, (laughs) they did give us an answer, which was 60, 60. What? Boomers are selling. Yeah. 60 is the median uh, age of home sellers. That's crazy. Wow. Because they can sell the home they bought for $20,000 for $486 million. <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's just pure, pure profit. All right, for our last question, this is an interesting one. Where did most home buyers find their home purchase? So how did they identify the home that they wanted to buy? And I should mention, all of this comes from NAR, all of this data. So some answers, just so you know, are like the internet, through an agent, a yard sign. Um, what percent, you know, what is the most common way to find a home these days? Internet. All right, James? I mean, it's got to be the internet. Everybody is addicted to Redfin and Zillow. So I, I I feel pretty confident it's going to be that. Absolutely, Henry. You have to write that. Yeah, there can't, it can't be anything else. All right, you are correct. I had to give you guys an easy one. Kaylin, give me an option of a couple. Thank you. And I just <laughs> picked the one that I knew none of you could get wrong. <laughs> well, thank you as always for playing. We are now going to take a break and then move on to our conversation about the deals that you all are doing. I'm curious, have you been struggling to keep your vacation rental booked? 
I totally get it. It's tough to manage and keep filled. But we found something that really works. It's called Vacasa. They've seriously changed the game for a lot of the BP audience. In almost every market they're in, Vacasa manages to fill up the calendar more than anyone else. And get this, the average Vacasa user sees about 24% more bookings than with other managers. That's a lot of extra income. Curious to see what you could be earning? You can get a personalized income estimate right there. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at what Vacasa can do for you. Check out biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes, but how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 exchanges. 1031 exchanges allow you to defer capital gains taxes while you sell an investment property, exchanging your old property for a bigger, better one and avoiding the tax man while you do it. And that's where First American Exchange Company comes in. They're the leaders in 1031 exchanges. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting, First American Exchange can help you with simple rental property exchanges, complex commercial real estate investments, reverse exchanges, and more. Don't let your taxes eat into your profits. Visit First American Exchange Company at firstexchange.com or call them at 800-556-2520. That's firstexchange.com or 800-556-2520. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe, smart, secure. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Welcome back to On The Market. We are going to now talk about deals that everyone is doing right now. Henry, I'd love to start with you. Tell me a little bit about a project of interest that you're working on right now. Well, first and foremost, I love doing these shows because we're often telling people you need to be investing no matter the market. And so we actually get to show that we're actually doing this. And so one, that's great. Two, I really appreciate you, Dave, for letting me go first because my deals always seem so humbling in front of <laughs> these multi-million dollar deals that these other people do. And so thank you for not putting my tiny deal behind James or Kathy's multi-million dollar operation. It makes me feel so much better. Um, You're welcome. Uh, yeah, man. I, you know, I like I. I like being the, uh, you know, I like being the, 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 the small town guy. And so the deal I'm presenting is a flip deal. It's a single family flip. Uh, we are purchasing it for $200,000. The renovation budget is somewhere between 15 and 25, depending on what we decided to do with it. I think we landed somewhere right around 20,000 uh, on the renovation and it is uh, selling for 310,000 right now. What I like about this deal for this market is um, the market is telling us right now that you're going to get paid for doing flips because houses are still valued very high and people still are trying to get or wanting to get those 2022 numbers. And in some cases they are. And so with interest rates being so high, it's difficult to cash flow some of these single family deals. It's much 
easier, or I should say it's much less difficult to cash flow multifamily deals. But when you've got a single family deal, it's hard to, to make that a rental. Sometimes it's even hard to make it a short term rental and make the cash flow make sense with, with the high interest rates. And so this is a great deal for this market for a couple of reasons. One, it is a light renovation, meaning it's it's less than $40,000. It's cosmetic. We're putting paint on the walls. We're updating the flooring, granite countertops, putting a backsplash in. Uh, we're only updating one of the bathroom uh, showers. The other one is fine the way it is. It's in a working class neighborhood where a lot of people need to and want to live. Um, and, and so I know there's demand there to live in that neighborhood. There's schools around it. It's close to the interstate, so you can get anywhere fairly quickly. But because it's a light renovation, that means two things. One, I can get the job done fairly quickly. And two, it saves me a ton of money because interest rates are high and the cost of money is high. And so the less time I can hold something, the better for me. And so doing a you know $100,000 renovation, sure, you can get to bigger profits that way. But you're getting, you're going to eat up a lot of your profits and holding costs when you're doing those big renovations. And so this one, I can turn it around fairly quickly. We're selling it for three ten, and so we should net somewhere between sixty and seventy thousand dollars for doing twenty five thousand dollars worth of work. I'll do those all day long. So doesn't make sense to hold this one. I couldn't rent it for what I'll be all in for, but I'm fairly confident in being able to sell it because of the location, and it's going to save me money on the renovation time. Lipstick flip. I love that deal. And that's a huge, I mean, that's, it doesn't matter the size of the deals. It's about what is your annualized return in the cash on cash. That That is a, a great deal. Henry, how are you leveraging that deal too? Are you, A, do you need a loan? I like the loan to value on that for sure. But how are you, um, like, so how much cash are you going to have in that deal? 60 grand on a cosmetic deal is a great I mean, that's a great hit, especially in that market. You know, in our metro markets, we can't get those returns on cosmetic deals at that price point. If we're buying a cosmetic deal 200 grand in, we're going to be a 15% return, uh, you know, maybe 25, 30% leverage, yeah. but it's in and out really quick. So what kind of leverage are you stacking on that? And what, what's your, what's your going to be your analyzed return? Yeah, we use, we use a private money uh, on this one, 11% interest, interest only payments. I put uh, $5,000 down. Uh, to buy the deal and they're covering purchase and renovation. So I'm five grand out of pocket uh, in order for me to turn around and sell this thing in, in 90 days. Uh, well, probably close to 120 days. Yeah. I wanted to piggyback on what James said, and that is it, it the size of the deal doesn't matter. <laughs> but I, I, I do mean like when, when we do bigger deals and when I explain mine, I'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. There's more staff you need. So there's more overhead. And in the end, you know, it, it may turn out that your deals uh, are making more. So keep that in mind. <laughs> Anytime you can hit 13 X on your money in a short yeah. run of window, that's a home run. Yeah, that's a home run. Yeah, no, I love deals like this. And I think people need to be more open to looking for deals like this. I think the I think what what happens with new investors is they do too much. 
right? Somebody might see this deal and try to spend 50, 60 grand on the renovation because they want to tear all the kitchen cabinets out and put new kitchen cabinets in. You know, they want to tear down a wall and redesign the kitchen and relocate it, right? They, they see what's happening on flip shows on TV and they think that that's what you need to do to sell a house. We didn't tear any walls out in this house. We didn't tear out the kitchen cabinets. We just took the countertops off, put granite in, put new appliances in. Now, the one value add I wanted to mention that we did in this place for flips, I always look for how can I add value under roof without uh, spending a ton of money. And so for this property, the previous owner converted part of the garage into interior living space, but they didn't take the time to uh, vent the HVAC into that new room. And so it wasn't included in the heated and cooled square footage and they didn't do it right. So the flooring was still sloped like a garage floor might be sloped. And so we went into that room, tore up the flooring, leveled out the flooring and then put new flooring in and then took the HVAC and vented it into that room. And we have it staged as like an office or a game room. And so we were able to now add square footage to that room. So instead of selling this house for 275, 285, we're selling it for 310 because we added square footage, heated and cooled square footage into that room. Henry, is there, I know there's probably no magic formula, but how do you personally decide how much to take on in a project like this? You know, you said that you want to do it quickly and get in and get out, but like, how do you know when enough is enough? Looking at the comps. And so we'll always look at the comps in the neighborhood to see what's sold recently and what was done to those comps in order for them to sell. Um, and in this neighborhood, most of the comps were either lightly renovated or not renovated at all and selling for um, top dollar. And so we figured if we could do a light renovation, make it stand out above those and not be all in a ton of money, then we would be in a, in a good position. So the, the best way is you got to look at what your competition is doing. My agent will typically tell me, he'll say, hey, I'll sell this one for you for $325,000, but you got to do everything. And he'll send me the comp so I can see what got to do everything means. Or he'll say, hey, you can do a really light renovation here. And he'll send me the comp. So we, we look at everything that's selling around us to know what we're going to do. Yeah. And another thing to also look at, and I love what Henry said, is like, the, you know, flipping is not art. It's math. You know, some of our clients, they, they really do enjoy the process. They're like, I'm okay making less money because I want to put this together. And that's fine. That's what you should do as an investor. But what it comes down to is math. What do the comps say? But then also, what is your annualized return? A big mistake a lot of flippers make is they go for the higher profit, but it takes double as long. Mm -hmm. And you can make less profit, but make more money because you're turning your money so fast, right? And so, you know, one thing I always like to do on the cosmetic is what's the annualized return? Small profit is okay if you're getting your money in and out really quick. All right. Well, with that, let's move on to Kathy, because I think she is the opposite of a deal that you get out of quickly. <laughs> Kathy, tell us what you're working on. Well, this is this is a great market. Contrary to what some people think, this is this is the time that we're able to find deals again that we couldn't over the last five years of boom or, or even longer. Um, I started doing entitlement projects in 2009 when land was super cheap then land prices went up and they're still up. But we're back to doing a deal that I haven't been able to do for a while, which is entitlement, um, entitlement only. So what that means is, is basically changing the use of land. It has to go through the city um, and you rezone it. And then, and it takes a lot of work. It, it's a lot of political 
skill there because you're dealing with the local city council. Um, and, and for an entitlement deal like this, you really need to have a good idea of whether the current city council is going to like your plan. And if that council is going to be in power for a while, because if all of a sudden it changes from growth to no growth type politicians, then you're kind of in a, in a bad way, which is why builders don't really like doing the entitlement phase. A builder generally isn't going to just go in and buy raw land and go through the entitlement process. So if you can do that for them, it's really, really lucrative. So to give you an idea, again, this is with my partner that I've been working with since 2009. He's got, he's a 45 year veteran builder really understands this stuff. It's extremely risky. So I would only do an entitlement deal with somebody like my partner who's who's done so many and really knows how to negotiate with city council people. Uh, so basically, we are buying uh, farmland in Danville, California, which is right outside, you know, I don't know, 30 minutes outside of San Francisco. To It's amazing that there's still farmland, raw land there. And it's right off of Crow Canyon. So then that's a popular area, great schools, really high end area. We have a purchase sale agreement for $6 million and an option payment of, you know, basically a down payment of 250,000, but we don't have to close until 2025. So these are deals that we've done many, many times together where you just have to put the option payment and then you go through this two year process of getting the entitlements and then you do a double close at the end. So we, are in contract for the six million. We only have to put down the two hundred and fifty thousand. The rest of the money goes towards the entitlement process and developing the lots. Once we get those entitlements, and then we sell the lots, which will be about fourteen million dollars. So it's a huge return for the investors. Um, it's a fifteen percent preferred for the investors. We haven't come out with this yet. We're still working on some details before we do. Um, but we did something similar just in the town down the street in, in, Dan, in Dublin, where we tied up property for, I think we had to bring in about 1.6 million and we sold it for 20 million. The, the, uh, the, the purchase contract was for 10 million, but we ended up selling it for 20 million to Pulte Homes. So in this case, we already have the builder who wants the lots. They've already stated what they'll pay for those lots, which is 850,000. It's only 16 lots. And, uh, but this is a very high end area where $850,000 for a lot is normal, but there aren't any, you, there aren't any finished lots for this builder to buy. And they don't like taking the entitlement risk. So it's, it's not for everybody, but cause there is risk. 100% people have to know there's risk in this deal, but that risk is really lessened because of the um, amount of experience we have in the area and in this type of thing. So just so I can summarize, it sounds like you are putting down $250,000 for the right to buy this property for $6 million. How much will it cost on top of that to actually do the work of entitlement? Yeah, so it would be about 22 months to entitle it. And we have already spoken to the the local board, um, the supervisors, and, and they want more lots. You know, the cities make money when there's homes that they could get property taxes on. So uh, depending on who's on the board and if they're more pro-growth and no-growth, uh, they've already agreed they like this. Um, the builders already agreed. So it's it's about $2 million in costs and the and the land is $6 million. And we plan to sell it for fourteen. dollars I like those numbers. I love entitlement deals. We type a lot of lots in Seattle. You, you get them on terms. And the, the best thing about entitlements is you're getting them on terms so you don't have to bring up the cash. Now, what Kathy's doing is a large subdivision, which has a huge hit on it. 
but your end buyer, that builder, will pay you a massive premium because what builders are, are doing is they're all about leverage and moving their cash rapidly. If that builder has to come in and park, uh, you know, how much was the, the lot again, Kathy? Oh, we're, it's 14 lots and we're paying, uh, it will be 14 lots. We're, we're paying, uh, no, 17 lots and we're paying $6 million for the land. But we don't have to close on it. That's we're we're using the leverage, the the power of it's just an option. So we don't have to close in for two years. Yeah, and the reason why builders will pay what they're paying is because if they sit six million down, a it's hard to get leverage on raw lots right now. But even if they got fifty percent, they got to come in with three million dollars down that has to sit there for two years. And builders want to keep that money working, and that's also they need it in their accounts for baking purposes and when they can get extra financing out there. So the entitlement business is great because you tie up, you do all the hard work, and they will pay you the absolute premium when that permit is issued in hand because they can close and start uh, building tomorrow, which is going to really increase the return. Um, there is huge, huge money in the entitlement business. Is one of my, we've been selling lots for ten years, and it is one of the best businesses out there. Um, because it really just comes down to moving paperwork, working with the city, and then running a good feasibility. Kathy, what kind of feasibility are you guys doing on this? You know, is it like a thirty or sixty day feasibility? Like, what kind of testing are you doing? What What are things that you guys are looking out for? Uh, most of that's already been done. We we do those reports before we bring this to investors. I like these kinds of deals, and I've heard of other people doing similar deals, and I I never really gotten into one until this year because I'm accidentally doing <laughs> one. So, so <laughs> uh, I actually bought a house uh, on a double lot, and the house was a teardown, and so we ended up tearing it down. And I bought it uh, over a year and a half ago, and so back then interest rates were lower, and the cost to build was lower back then, and so I bought it. We spent the money to tear the house down and the plan was to um redevelop the rezone the land um to build uh multifamily on it and so we went ahead and did the work to change the entitlement so that we could sell we were going to build and develop an eight unit uh property on that land and then prices have changed and it costs more to build now and the interest rates keep going up. And so I don't have the same return I was expecting. And so I was like, I wonder if a developer would love to buy this because it's already set up for them to buy it. We have all the approvals. They just need to buy it and start the work. And so we list, I, I paid 30 grand for the house. I spent 10 grand tearing the house down and another 15 grand or so uh, doing the work that needs to be done to the land in order to have it ready for the development. And now we're selling it to a developer for like 170,000. So I'm doing it on a much smaller scale by accident, just because I don't want to do the project. But now I'm thinking like (laughs) how many other houses in this neighborhood can I go snag for 30 grand and do this again? Yeah. Yeah. So in response to James question, I, I have it in front of me now that the investigation period, we do that before, uh, bringing investors in. So that's the environmental geotech, uh, the base engineering map, map biological inv- investigation, the outreach to the city of Danville, because that's the most important. You've got to know who you're dealing with. It really comes down to the city council. They could, you know, it's just a, a small group of people who can approve or deny. So that's that's probably one of the biggest. All right. Sounds like a great deal, Kathy. Eager to hear how that goes. 
two years from now, but it'll be very interesting to see how this progresses. And thanks for bringing a, a new type of deal. I don't think we've ever talked about entitlement on this show before. And land is not cheap today. Prices are going up right now because builders recognize that there's really a need to bring on new supply. So when you can reach out to an owner who maybe isn't aware of that yet, you know, and work out a deal like this where you don't actually have to close with all the funds and uh, for a little while, it's it's a great opportunity. But that opportunity could be slipping because people are becoming more aware that land prices are going up. All right, James, what do you got cooking? Ooh, we're going to talk about density and maximizing your deal. Um, so we uh, actually bought a fix and flip property in North Seattle about five months ago. We're currently in permits on it right now. And we paid $460,000 for this property. Originally, what we were going to do is put about 110000 to 125000 in and sell it for about seven seven fifty. And then, you know, once we started kind of running the numbers on it, we're going, okay, well, the flip's okay. We're going to make like 50 or about 60 to $70,000 after all costs are said and done, right? Like Henry's deal sounds way better to me than that. So it was a lot of work for the, for the money, but we liked that buy price of 460. It's very, very cheap for the area. Uh, but as we were looking at it, you know, what's happened in the city of Seattle, there's been a lot of upzoning, a lot of affordable housing, and they, they are maximizing density. They eliminated the single family zoning. And so what that does, that allowed us, we're sitting on a 6,800 square foot lot, and we have a two bedroom, one bath house on the front that's 740 square feet up top. And then we have 740 square feet in the basement. And according to the new zoning, after we started looking at this, we then realized, okay, well, this might, highest and best use might be to get this thing densified. So what we are doing is we're actually turning the single family house into an ADU. It's going it, to, it, which is kind of weird. It's an 1800 square foot a house that will be an ADU. And then we're building an 1800 square foot single family house that we're going to attach this flip property with one single wall at that point. And we're going to have an 1800 square foot house. And then we're also going to build a detached DADU. So a two bedroom, 2.5 bath, 1200 square foot. Uh, property. So by maximizing this, we went from making sixty to seventy thousand dollars. Now we have a combined value of two point four five million from the seven hundred that we thought it was. We're going to be able to sell the ADU for about seven hundred thousand, the detached DADU for about seven hundred fifty to eight hundred thousand, and the single family will sell for about a million to a million fifty. So instead of flipping the property over a six to nine month period, now it's going to take us about 18 months, but the profit potential in this deal is going to be roughly about $390,000 to $450,000, which is going to be an 82% annualized return on that. So we went from just doing a simple flip on it to maximizing at the density. And that's been really important in today's market because there's lack of deal flow and if there's a lack of deal flow, you have to look at how do you maximize that deal in an efficient manner. Um, and so we really kind of stepped, our original plan was just to flip it. And then we took a step back and we're at the middle of permits. In addition to once permits are issued, we always do that as a check-in point when we're doing these kind of deals. We might do what Henry did and flip it off to a builder too, because typically builders will pay us about 35% of the combined value on this property, which is going to be about $700,000 for this property. So we might be able to make $250,000 just by selling the permitted site. So it's a very flexible, dense deal. Um, it takes a little bit longer, but the margins are there. Love it. You just gave me a great idea for a problem property I have. <laughs> so so talk to us about the, the funding for something like this, James. So obviously your rehab budget is not a rehab budget. It's a new construction budget now, right? And so like, 
where does the funding for that come from? Like how much of your own money do you have to put into doing something like this? And how long is it? You said it's tied up for 18 months. Yeah. And that's a great question, Henry. So originally we bought it with hard money and we're paying 12% interest right now on that. Uh, we put 80000 or $75,000 down when we bought the property. Uh, so we put a little bit under 20% down when we bought it. Um, and we're sitting servicing that debt for the next, uh, it's going to be about a total permit time of about nine months on that. So we came in with about $70,000 down and then we have to pay about $3,500 to $4,000 a month during that time. Once permits are issued, then our local construction lender or local bank will then issue us 85% of the total project cost. So we only have to bring in 15% of the total bill, which is going to be about 460 plus about 1.35 mil to build that out. So we come in with 15% of that. In addition to, we actually have an interest reserve. So we make no more interest payments for the 12 months at that point. Um, and, and so that's how we get to that 82% annualized cash on cash return because our total down payment on this is going to be about 300 grand and we have potential like 350 to 400 all said and done. So what you're saying for people who probably aren't familiar is that deferred interest means once you start the construction period, you don't have to make any interest payments. So your carrying costs are lower during that construction period or just your whatever you're paying for your utilities. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. The bank basically builds that into the loan to value. So we don't have to make an interest payment or debt cost that entire time. Pretty sweet. Local banks are the key. You got to get good and, you know, value them. That's my jam, man. Yeah. I love it. And in California, that is one way you can actually make money because there is legislation where um, cities really can't turn down an ADU. Uh, if you were to put a second unit on your property, still some do like the town I'm in. You <laughs> still can't do it. But uh, but it is a, a really great way to increase density, provide more housing and increase the value. I love it. Yeah, and you want to make sure wherever you're looking that they allow you to condomize them off. In Seattle, we can actually do a condo overlay, condo each one of those off and sell them separately. Some cities do not allow that, so you do want to research that. You know, with Seattle, once that passed, it just made sense for us to start really exploring that model. Yeah, man. With the density issues, doing ADUs and DADUs are becoming much more easier to do. You still have to deal with a lot of the the NIMBY folks sometimes. Um, but if, I mean, it's it's it used to be very difficult to get approvals to do things like this. And so now the approvals are easy. It's just more about... How do you structure the funding to be able to pay for some of these things? And NIMBY, of course, not in my backyard. Yeah, that's that is so often the case. But again, in California, they did pass a law that I don't even think NIMBYism will stop a pro an ADU unless you're in a coastal co commission area where they override everything and they they don't want too much density near the ocean for I don't know um, environmental reasons. But if you're not near the coast, you it's it's really hard to block an ADU um, on your on your land. So if in California, if you could do something like that in these high priced markets where you get a house with a large enough lot, you can you can definitely increase value that way or just keep the property and have two rentals on one. My other question for you, James, was you had mentioned when you were talking about the deal, you were kind of pricing out each individual structure. Does that mean you're going to sell each structure separately or are you just saying that each structure is valued at this amount and then we'll sell the whole thing to one person or are you subdividing that land? Uh, we're condoizing. So we're selling them separately. If we went to sell it, it actually mathematically wouldn't make sense to buy that at two point like our combined value around 2.3. 
the cap rate would be like a five cap. Now that was working when rates were low and there was a lot of demand for for rental property at that time. But in today's market, we're we're pricing them all separately. All right. Well, it sounds like we got three great deals and great examples of how being creative and knowing your local market extremely well can lead to excellent deals even during these times with high interest rates and very low inventory. I think that's all we got for today. But before we get out of here, where can people follow you guys to learn more about these deals and follow along? Kathy, let's start with you. Realwealth.com is where you can find me, my company, and uh, and then on Instagram, Kathy Fetke. Henry? Best place to find me is on Instagram. I'm at the Henry Washington on Instagram. And James? IG is a good place to find me at jdaneflips or jamesdaner.com. All right, great. Well, thank you all so much for listening. We greatly appreciate it. If you do want to share any deals that you're doing currently, you can always do that on the Bigger Pockets forums. We actually even have an on the market section there. And we would love to hear about the deals that our listeners are doing. So make sure to check that out. You can go to biggerpockets.com slash forums and do just that. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. On the Market is created by me, Dave Meyer, and Kaylin Bennett. Produced by Kaylin Bennett. Editing by Joel Esparza and Onyx Media. Research by Pooja Jindal. Copywriting by Nate Weintraub. And a very special thanks to the entire Bigger Pockets team. The content on the show On the Market are opinions only. All listeners should independently verify data points, opinions, and investment strategies. Investing in small multifamily properties is probably the most popular niche in the entire Bigger Pockets community, and there's a good reason for that. You can put as little as 3.5% down and own up to four units. So just think about that for a second. You can house hack where you live in one of the units, but in addition to having a place to live, you still have three different groups of tenants helping to pay down your mortgage each month. You have four kitchens and bathrooms that you could add value to to build equity. You could also turn one or more of the properties into a short-term rental or a medium-term rental. And all this, what I'm describing here, is just one transaction. But of course, the question is, where do you find one of these small multifamily properties that you can afford? Which markets and which deals are best for you? How about after you close? How do you manage it? Optimize it. Keep scaling and living your life without being tied down by four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants. These are all great questions. And luckily for you, they're going to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leica Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient, great strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four today and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. I'll see you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investments in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.